afternoon. Calling to order the Peace River Town Council regular meeting for Tuesday, October 9th, 2018. To order and let the record show that the meeting started at four minutes after five. That takes us straight to the agenda. With any additions, Mr. Parker? Yes, Your Worship, we have two. We have um, under section uh, 10.5, thank you letter from the Peace Pride uh, Society. And under 7.1, a request for direction, bylaw to regulate cannabis consumption zones. There are no deletions. Okay. Uh, can I get any motion to adopt the agenda as amended? Mr. Good, all in favor? In favor. That takes us to the adoption of the minutes. There's, people uh, should have read the minutes of the September 24, 2018 regular council meeting. Are there any additions, clarifications, modifications that we need to make? I've uh, had a quick review and I'd be prepared to move this September 24th minutes as presented, Your Worship. Okay. All in favor? Favor. Um, so that takes us to uh, section four, public hearings. Um, I see that we have an item a request for a decision regarding bylaw to regulate cannabis consumption zones. Uh, are you speaking to them, Mr. Parker? Actually, that should be moved down to new business. Uh, okay. Yeah, number five. Okay, sorry. Um, so that now we're at presentations. Uh, the Canadian Association of Petroleum Producers uh, are presenting, and they're going to give us an update on the state of the industry. So really I'm here today just to give, uh, as you mentioned, a state of the industry update uh, and talk about some of the challenges that we're facing um, right now and recently a success as well. People who I've been doing this uh, presentation with uh, prior to a couple weeks ago in the LNG announcement didn't get any good news, so um, it's good timing. Um, so as I, I mentioned, uh, I'm with CAP. We are uh, the largest industry association in Canada. So our largest office is in Calgary, but we have offices coast to coast. Um, we represent oil and gas producers, large and small, as well as associate members. Um, and our members uh, produce about 80% of the natural gas and oil in Canada. Um, so we do work uh, as a lobbyist organization. We are nonpartisan, um, and then we also do public advocacy as well, um, as well as a range of uh, technical um, technical projects and uh, uh, standards within the industry as well. Uh, and really, our mission on behalf of our membership is to advocate for and enable safe, reliable, uh, and environmentally responsible performance. Um, so getting right into it, 
within uh, the context of seeing energy demand rising in um, Canada, but also globally speaking, we're really seeing our industry face these challenges within uh, two main contexts. One being um, access to markets and the other being competitiveness. Um, so this figure takes into account commitments, plans, um, and Paris um, Paris Climate Agreement commitments made by participating countries. Uh, and this really shows the global energy mix from 2016 to 2040. So um, this infographic shows uh, what the energy mix is going to look like in 2040 based on us meeting those targets. So as you can see here, we do have a rise in the renewable sector, which obviously we're getting a lot of push from. There's lots of um, climate-related policy that's circulating uh, within Canada at the provincial and federal level. Um, but what this mix is really telling us is, is that uh, we need um, energy in all its forms. Uh, uh, oil and gas, of course, is included in that. Um, but natural gas is actually the, uh, the resource that grows the most within this energy mix. So we see coal and oil stagnating a little bit. Um, well, coal, we see it stagnating a lot, and then natural gas and renewables uh, increasing the most of this mix. So currently we're competing for global customers, primarily with the United States. Uh, a growing urbanizing world has uh, led for more demand of our resources uh, and a greater need to access these markets. So the International Energy uh, Agency forecasts that by 2040, natural gas will increase about 45%, um, with 80% of this growth in uh, Asia, predominantly in India and in China. Um, and this is mainly due to the growth in the middle class. So we're also seeing this in areas such as India. So um, not so much, uh, you know, with heat. A lot of people are, you know, say, well, um, you know, why do we have to be putting furnaces in the southern hemisphere? But really, it's because uh, the rural population is moving into urban centers, um, and uh, cooking and utilities is a big part of that. Um, so just to put this in perspective, China alone will need about 40 billion um, more cubic feet per day of gas, natural gas by 2040, and this is three times the amount um, of natural gas that's produced in Canada today. And within the context of the recession in 2014-2015, uh, prices have recovered. So oil prices have recovered, but not as much in Canada, and accessing new markets will give us greater value for our resource. So currently, because of our, our oil pipeline capacity, um, we're selling our product at a discount. Uh, Canadian crude oil production is forecast to grow, and we're in desperate need of more pipelines. In terms of global natural gas prices, North American natural gas prices are flat. Um, we're seeing a rise in natural gas prices internationally because international prices are more closely linked to the price of oil, um, whereas in North America they're not. Um, and this, this differential in global prices is what makes LNG in Canada appealing because it's a high value product that can be sold at a discount. 
in terms of the Canadian natural gas price, this is priced differently than the North American price. It's priced through ACO. And uh, while the North American prices are flat, Canadian prices continue to be quite volatile and actually have faced a downward trend, including times this year where the price um, fell below zero. And this has led to increased liquid development in the, the Monty and Duvernay place, so close to home here, um, because producers are focusing on higher value products. Um, there's more demand for these liquids because unlike dry assets, liquid prices, as I mentioned, again, are more closely linked to the price of oil, creating a better return on investment. And unfortunately, what we're seeing is an um, investment in Canada declining. So in 2017, the oil and gas sector, globally speaking, was up about 5%. Um, and the U.S. is not um, just our number one investor anymore, but also our number one competitor. So we saw a significant increase in drilling in 2017 with a 71% increase um, from 2016. And this really showed us pulling out of that recession that we experienced in 2014, 2015. Um, but this is slowed to a 6% drilling increase in 2018. Um, meanwhile, the U.S. has increased drilling by about 50%, and this is taking place in Texas in the Permian Basin, um, which is around Midland, Texas. Um, so, although we've seen an increase in drilling in Canada, we haven't um, we haven't yet drilled as many wells um, as we were in 2014. Uh, in 2014, investment in capital investment um, in Canada was about 81 billion. In 2018, we're down from that roughly about 50%. Uh, producers have been focusing on conventional drilling because it's less expensive and lower risk. So we're starting to see producers move away from oil sands development. And this is really because uh, um, uh, conventional drilling is categorized in the millions, whereas oil sands development requires a lot more uh, innovation and projects are categorized in the billions. So much higher risk. And this leads us to a continued need for uh, new market access. So as I mentioned, <laughs> pipeline capacity in Canada is full um, in terms of, sorry, oil pipeline capacity. Um, and the industry has been relying more heavily on rail. So in June of this year, uh, the NEB, CN, and CPR2 main carriers in Canada announced that they were carrying heavier loads of crude than ever before in Canadian history. We've seen this continue to rise um, throughout the summer. We're now facing maintenance issues um, and cars being taken off of uh, the system to do this maintenance. Um, and it also puts pressure on other commodities here in Canada. Um, we have three main projects on the book, the books here in Can uh, Canada. I won't get into you know too much of the detail about them, but just to mention, um, it's Enbridge Line Three, uh, Transcanvas Keystone XL project, and Kinder Morgan's now the federal government's uh, Trans Mountain expansion project. Um, so em Enbridge Line Three, just to give you an update of where these projects are at. Uh, continues to face routing challenges. They had some regulatory burdens in Minnesota, um, but the majority of the Canadian portion of that project is complete. They're finishing the final spread uh, this year um, in Manitoba, um, but they are looking at rerouting and some environmental uh, uh, reviews in the United States. 
Um, in terms of Keystone XL, it is also on hold. Um, so Keystone is facing a recent court order where they're doing an environmental review of the project. Um, we're uncertain how long that um, will take, but it could be a delay of um, you know one or two years, depending. Um, and then, as I'm sure many of you are aware, on May 29th of this year, the federal government bought uh, Kinder Morgan's uh, Trans Mountain Pipeline and associated um, expansion project for the tune of $4.5 billion. Um, they are going through a review process right now um, and just recently announced that they're looking at what they call phase three consultation where they're revisiting 117 uh, First Nations communities and looking at the 43 agreements that they've already finalized. Um, so seeing the federal government is a a pipeline does that make us all members of CAF as well so we're trying to figure out the legalities of that right now uh, the federal government is not uh, a member of CAF so um, that project I mean Kinder Morgan was a member of CAF the federal government is not <laughs> why are you name dropping me I didn't I just want some. I'm just listening. I just want to find out what the membership privilege is on member of CAP. So. Is there a golf courses or any? Mm -hmm. No, 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 no. Golf courses. There you go. Um, uh, so where was I? So the construction of uh, the Trans Mountain Expansion Project is urgently uh, needed to give us access to the United States. Um, what this project really symbolized wasn't just one pipeline project in Canada, but a lack of trust from foreign investment in our regulatory process, um, generally speaking, not even just with our industry, but with other industries in Canada as well. Um, and we really need shovels in the ground as soon as possible. In terms of our natural gas markets here in Canada, um, we do have some room in our natural gas main lines. Uh, where we're facing challenges is with bottlenecks in northeastern Alberta, particularly around uh, the Grand Prairie area, so a little bit south of here. Um, there are several, or sorry, actually, um, LNG, BC LNG was um, given their final investment decision last week, and it is a go, so that's great news. Um, one story that I don't think is being told very well is how much it will actually impact producers in Alberta, and it is significant. Um, so this project is valued at about $40 billion, creating 10,000 jobs um, at the peak of construction just within BC. Um, the pipeline, the associated pipeline project, Coastal Gas Link, which is owned by TransCanada, um, will essentially go from Dawson Creek to the coast. Um, but with this, we'll see increased development, um, first and foremost, of the Montney and Duvernay Place, which will affect this area. Um, and, uh, you know, producers are looking to expand uh, their development in these basins. Um, so I think I'll leave it with that um, for natural gas in terms of LNG, very, very good sign. Um, and then moving forward, in terms of competitive challenges, um, where we're facing the most um, competition right now is, as I mentioned, the United States. Um, and this is really because of their new government. So they've reduced corporate tax, um, they've lowered the regulatory burden, 
Um, in terms of environmental outcomes, it's less of a concern now. And we're really not looking to change policy outcomes here in Canada. Of the 10 largest producers in the world, Canada is the only um, country with greenhouse gas emission policy, um, with the exception of the state of Washington and California. Um, so what we're trying to do and accomplish is really get there in a more streamlined and cost-effective manner. Um, and just to put this into perspective, uh, in the states they can, you know, have well approvals in about nine days. In Canada, specifically in Alberta, we look at about 100 days. Um, so as I mentioned, Alberta and Canada as a whole really needs to streamline this regulatory process. So in terms of CAP advocacy, um, I guess first and foremost, we are going into an election in 2019. Um, CAP is a nonpartisan organization, but we are offering to meet um, with all of the candidates going into the election. For the first time ever, we're actually building an election platform specific to the industry, um, which is new to us as an association, and we're hoping to have that finalized in December. And that's really going to focus on some of the challenges that we're experiencing in industry, what's coming from our members, and where we'd like to go. Um, so we'll be, we'll be offering that to the candidates and having that discussion. Uh, additionally, we have put out um, an economic report series. It is a kind of plain speak approach to getting uh, some information out to the public on where the industry is at in the context of that global energy mix. Um, and there's, at the end of this, there's going to be seven reports. Currently, there's three out, um, including our 2018 crude oil uh, forecast, which is all up on our website. Uh, this past year, we focused on a couple other key uh, policy issues within the uh, operations group. So that's kind of what the uh, Western Canadian Outreach Program falls into, and that's uh, caribou and methane. Um, we did get a lot of traction on the, the methane um, side of things here in Alberta because of communities advocating for, for um, that voice and for our, for our membership. Um, in terms of caribou, we're you know advocating for a, a multi-pronged approach. Um, in terms of industry working together with government, it can't happen in silos. Um, but that file's kind of been put on hold just because I think you know we're moving into an election, so it's become a little bit more quiet uh, in the last couple of months on that. And then lastly, I will mention, um, we do have a fairly new um, stream of CAP called Canada's Energy Citizens. Um, this is an outreach um, group of CAP that really advocates for the public um, and gives the public information to have that grassroots advocacy. We have about half a million uh, members now across Canada and you can sign up on our website um, and also through Facebook, and it's really great because it provides monthly updates to the public on key policy issues, um, you know, events that are going on in communities, rallies, um, fun events. We have a, an annual um, Stampede Barbecue. I think we had about 5,000 people show up this year. Um, so that's a really good connection into the organization from the public perspective. And with that, I will leave it there and if there's any questions for me I'm happy to answer. Joanna, any questions for Kelly? I do. So on the, uh, on the global... Participant uh, exiting. 
On the crude oil prices, is WCS Western Crude? Hello? Project. 
Um, but a streamlined regulatory process also has to go hand in hand with a you know a cost climate that's um, advantageous to investors. So to put this into perspective with another project, just using it as an example, um, one of the reasons why BC LNG became so appealing is because the government put out a, a fiscal framework in March of this year um, that really alleviated a lot of that um, burden. And then on top of that, um, there, you know, there was a 46% steel tariff in Canada, um, federal steel tariff on imports of, of steel. And so the federal government also alleviated that for, um, for BCLNG. So there's been a lot of exceptions made for that project, where we're just not seeing that um, in other areas of um, the industry. And the second part, second question I had in the last one is that you talked about the impact on Alberta of the LNG projects. Mm -hmm. um, from, from looking at a map, everything's heading west from there. So let's assume it's 50 miles from here, but heading west. It's, you talked about impacting our area in a, in a general sense, but what I'd like to know is if it's heading west to a certain point, then what, not blowing anywhere east, how does that really in a positive sense affect a lot of people in this area so there's going to be increased jobs there's going to be a lot more traffic in these areas um depending on where they develop these plays you're kind of well you're within the mining region um so you know just because if you look maybe uh, further west towards bc like the groundbridge area as they call it um are there plays in our area any going east from here um, in terms of pipelines? No, in terms of liquid natural gas, like in the ground, for example. Yeah, so most most of it would be going west. Yeah. Yeah. But that doesn't mean that they're not producing it. Oh, no, right? they're going to be producing it. But yeah. I guess I understand your optimism about it's going to be development for our area. Mm -hmm. As long as you can find our area something west of us, if you know what I mean. Yeah. If you catch my drift. So I, I, I mean, I understand you go for any good news you can get, and I, I look, I don't mind anybody having success. I think it's terrific. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I don't see a lot in here, unfortunately, um, because of, to be honest with you, because of the behavior of our neighbors, and I'm talking about south and west, mm -hmm. um, and we'll add, go east far enough, and I can say the same thing about them. I'm really doing anything to help us here. I'll just leave it at that. Okay. Yeah, we can take this offline too. I mean, I'd have to look at kind of, uh, we we have all the information as to where people are drilling wells and where potentially that could be going. Um, so that may, might be something that we can follow up on. Because that will give you a, you know, a better context of where the development's actually happening. Okay. Yeah. I'm good with that. And I appreciate the work you guys do all the time anyways. Thank you. Mr. Uh, no, we're good. Okay. Uh, Ms. Manzer? Um, I, I guess one question, over in the Kinemath area, um, how much of the, the development has already happened in terms of their plants or their actual physical presence there? Uh, in terms of construction? Yeah. So they haven't broken ground yet on the, on the terminal. They have started infrastructure development already, like in terms of camps and some of the service infrastructure. Um, we're still kind of waiting to find out what the official timeline is, but they are hoping to ship, um, you know, starting in the period of 20, like 2022 to 2024. 
Um, so we should be seeing uh, construction start pretty soon here. Thank you. Mr. Thank you for coming. Thank you, Kim. Thank you. Thanks for having me, and if there's uh, any follow-up questions, please be in touch. We're always happy to help. That was good presentation. Very knowledgeable. Okay, Sir Alexander McKenzie, please come up front. Adele Boucher, are you Sir Alex? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> great show. <laughs> I'll just tip this mic where you can hear me because uh, standing is more comfortable than okay. sitting. So given the um, presentation on paper, I hope you had a look at that so that you know the history of our project. We're looking to have this printed in time for the town's, well for the summer of the town. I don't have yet a clear picture of when you have specific celebrations going on. So we're aiming for release of the book about July. And as I say, you have to have it in the printer six months forward of that. And they want half of their money when we put that book on their printing tables. We don't have that money. So um, as my written request is, this is sort of coming for preliminary approval of interim financing. We don't know the exact amount of money. But if you would be prepared to support us for a matter of months, basically, then we can proceed. Otherwise, as a committee, we have to go and find that money someplace else. So that's sort of the bottom line. We don't have the exact number of books. This was book one. Many of you have seen that. It's like 775 pages. It's a really awkward book to handle. So right now, our proposal is that if we get over about 500 pages, we're going to supplement it enough to make two volumes out of the book just to make it easier to handle. The additional second book costs about $3 to put cover on you know, the second half of another, of another book. So the price, when I said to you, is about $65. That could vary a little. If we had more than uh, $100, a thousand copies printed, then the price goes down. So all those things are sort of tentative right now. I just need to know if I have to go looking for money somewhere else. So it's just kind of approval in principle I'm asking you for. Well, I don't think I'll be able to give it today, And for me, I need to know basically by Christmas, oh, that's when I have to make the payment. So if I have to go hunting for it, I'd like, you know, a little advance notice. Where's Kessel Way? Where's we'll get it out of Mr. Parker's paycheck? <laughs> Better his than mine. <laughs> you can handle that question, Your Worship? Yep. Go ahead, Mr. Neal. So, has the SAM Historical Society, have they got any cash only in this project? At present, we've had financing from a seniors grant um, about six years ago 
to help us buy things like the computer, the scanner at the museum, paper. Uh, we paid rent to a certain degree when we were with the Horizon Learning Center. That kind of money has come from another source. We haven't spent any of our own money that was saved for this project because of saying we need to give it to the printers. We didn't have to put an interim payment forward when book one was printed because it was done at Valley Printers in town and they just looked for money because we weren't leaving town and the books were here. For this project, however, they cannot print our book because Valley Printers doesn't go to the same degree that they were doing before. If they printed the pages, that would have to be sent out. Then a hardcover put on, then the book sent back. Initial paper supplies would have been sent in. It would increase the cost of our book considerably. And Valley Printers is just not in the business of doing history books. Creasons does books for everybody, does school yearbooks. They are the, you know, the go-to people. Well, if you don't get the money from the town of Peace River, is Adele Boucher going to carry this 14000 on her credit card? Uh, not on my credit card, but probably at my bank. So are you, are you just, uh, what about the uh, surrounding municipalities? This book is basically the town of Peace River, meaning the residents of the town. It doesn't include the municipalities. There are other history books that are like now from uh, Three Creeks, Nampa, the surrounding rural areas. So the people in this book are mainly, mainly town residents. A few that are old timers that you know have some people within the town, some people outside of the town. But um, what are you suggesting, Colin, that I should be asking for part of this financing from the surrounding municipalities? That's a lot of. Well, the, the question actually came from me, but uh, well, it's, it's um, yeah, I, I think that was kind of the root of my question because uh, it's, it's not as if the people, people in Weberville think of themselves as Weberville-ites, but they think of themselves as Peace Riverites. Yes, the criteria for our book is that if you are, if you get your mail in Peace River and your kids go to school here, you probably call this your hometown. Right. But then the municipality beyond Weberville takes in a lot more, so they're less likely to give us funding. It's a pain in the neck for me to have to go and ask for $5,000 from four different places. So my job is editing, it's not finding money. Yeah. Well, we were hoping that the residents are on Shaftesbury Trail and the MVP's with the ante up. So how much? Well, we all own million-dollar homes, so. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you very much. Okay. Thanks, Adele. Thanks, Adele. I should say that Elaine has been my good contact, helping with lots of things. Um, I, I would have need occasionally if the town had somebody that was their historian when I'm looking for stuff. So we don't have to be going to individual sources or going to the museum or to the record gazette. So if any of you are... Well, isn't Beth Wilkins basically the town historian? The museum staff, yeah. The yeah. museum staff, yes, but then they have their assignments. I went there and asked for some information and I sort of get on a waiting list. But well, it is a big help. The record gazette is our best source, basically. Beth contributes a lot 
you know, to that of what she gets from this book. If you read Beth's Ponderings, a lot of it is based on what she's already found in the museum. This is new material that we're gathering for this book. Well, I, I think if you need some help from, uh, if you need to be bumped up in the priority list, the person to talk to is kind of help. Yeah, we do talk. The staff over there are very helpful, very knowledgeable. All, all the papers at my place, so, so I have to make a trip to town to get to their paper. No, no. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Adele. Is it in presentations? I take it there's no bylaws to turn into laws. There are none, Your Worship. Uh, there's no unfinished business. And uh, there are none, Your Worship. Um, actually, you were going to. It's it's actually on the next one. On the, on your new yeah. business, okay. New business, yeah. So uh, we'll uh, we'll start first with a request for a decision. Uh, Nate Boreal Plant Seed Technology Access Center. That's correct. I think we can dispense with this one pretty quickly. Uh, uh, the Nate Nate is uh, making an application to NSERC, which is a research national research <coughs> organization, and we want to set up a plant seed archive here for really forestry uh, the forestry industry and they want to establish it here in Peace River and are asking for a letter of support at this time uh, no monies and uh, I think the letter of support was attached in the agenda document I take it there's no objections to that letter of support so if somebody want to make a motion to uh, to uh, the, uh, write a letter of support for the Nate Boreal Plant Seed Technology Access Center. Your Worship, I'd like to uh, make a motion that the council provide a letter of support for Nate's NSERC application for a plant and seed <coughs> technology access center. We call it answer. Answer. Okay. All in favor? In favor. In favor. Um, so, Mr. Mayor, it also asks the council to appoint representatives to meet with this committee. Thing I got from Nate. Yeah, it's, it's actually on their recommendation there. So option one, or sorry, option one is that council provide the letter support support NSERC uh, application, and then council point representatives to meet with NSERC selection committee. Okay, we, okay, that was my offer to, to Nate, the Nate Boreal Institute, is that we would be willing to go and meet with NSERC if need be. So, so we'll uh, we'll wait until they think that there is a need to do that. So that was my offer to them. They did. They weren't asking for for us to be uh, part of a uh, part of the committee at this time. So we'll go on to the next item: uh, physician accommodation funding uh, request for decision. Who's handling that information? on behalf of Director Town, who was unable to be at the meeting this evening, I will speak briefly to his report. And I'm sure between myself and CAO Parker, we should be able to answer any of your questions. 
Um, the letter and report before council this evening is in regard to a request from Shell Rotary House um, in regards to redirecting the current physician accommodation funding from the Peace River and District Health Foundation, uh, referred to as the foundation throughout the report. Um, Director Town outlines how the funding has been currently being utilized by the foundation. Um, specifically for housing uh, physicians, medical students, doctors, locum staff, other medical per, uh, personnel and professionals that come into the community. These funds have been utilized, uh, I believe, longer than 2016, but the information that provided by the foundation this evening gives you a, a picture of how the funds were used for the last three years, or two and a half years as it were. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. With the completion of the Shell Rotary House, as it is done, they've asked that this funding that the Town Council has been currently providing to the Health Foundation be redirected to the Shell Rotary House. Uh, attached is their letter, and they have spoken with the Foundation directly, and Director Town also has had a discussion with the Foundation and confirms that the Community Health Foundation is in agreement with the uh, request proposed by Shell Rotary House. Um, there has been some information and some requests in regards to a specific uh, family situation of a physician family that's coming to the community in November. Um, they'll be here until February, so a four-month period. In this particular case, um, this doctor, husband, wife, their partner, team, whatever their situation is, um, have two very small children and the current uh, Rotary House situation is not necessarily um, a great setup for their needs for those four months. So AHS was approached by Director Town to see how this was going to be addressed and AHS as noted on page two of the report uh, does state they will provide some uh, accommodation in their current apartment situation or lease situation. So they've taken on that responsibility. Um, Director Town provides council with some options. Option one being a transfer of the town's funding commitment of 2,000 a month um, from the existing uh, Peace River and District Health Foundation to the Shell Rotary House for the rest of the 2018 year. And then future contributions or commitments will be um, addressed during budget process. Um, this provides your advantages that we continue to provide physician accommodation just physically in a different location. Both parties are in agreement and them again being the Shell Rotary House Party and the Health Foundation. Option two is to transfer the funding that the town commits of 2000 a month um, to Shell Rotary House for the rest of the 2018th year. Um, with future contributions subject to the conditions listed below, plus continue to fund Peace River and District Health Foundation for an additional two months uh, for a total of $4,000 to facilitate the efforts to attract specifically the physician family that's coming to town for November through February. So specifically adding on and addressing that particular family situation. Um, <clears throat> The advantage to this option is, again, eases the effort to attract and house the family. 
Um, the disadvantage for this option, AHS has already made a commitment that they will proceed. It's not necessarily a town piece or a specific uh, responsibility. And this does have a budget implication as there would be a requirement to uh, fund an additional $4,000 for that specific physician family. Option three is to not transfer the funding um, to the foundation. Uh, advantage to the town of Peace River is there's no real difference to us. The funding will continue to go to the foundation. Uh, there's no real disadvantages. Um, however, this will, which is a disadvantage, um, create some operational issues to some of the parties involved in the request. Um, conditionality that Director Town presents. If council approves transfer for funds to the Shell Rotary House, staff are recommending that it confirms its funding commitment for the balance of this fiscal year, 2018. Funding for future years should be considered during the budget approval process and be subject to a completion of a funding agreement between the town and the Shell Rotary House. Currently, we don't have much with a formal agreement in place with the Peace Health Foundation. <coughs> Excuse me. And that is something that we would like to do a little differently next time around. Um, overall, Director Town recommends that Council consider option one. Uh, funding for physician accommodation at 2000 per month be directed from the Peace River and District Health Foundation to Rotary House for the rest of the remainder of the 2018 year, effective October 1st, 2018. And that future funding for physician accommodation be conditional to approval within the 2019 operational budget, operating budget, and staff will work with Rotary House to prepare a draft funding agreement to confirm council's commitment and contribution prior to the issuance of funds if made available in 2019 and potentially longer, depending on council's direction. Okay, so it's pretty straightforward. Maybe somebody has some questions, but... If not, somebody want to put a motion on too? Mr. Um, Mayor, I would. Okay, go ahead. Um, that funding for the position accommodation at $2,000 per month be directed from the Peace River and District Health Foundation to the Shell Rotary House for the rest of the 2018 year, effective October 1, 2018. And the future funding, the position accommodation be conditional to approval within the 2019 operating budget and staff work with the Shell Rotary House to prepare a draft funding arrangement to confirm council's commitment and contribution prior to the issuance of funds if made available in 2019. Well said. All in favor? In favor. Done. Mike Kenner. In favor. Okay. Um, request for decision is the next item for our letter of support for NDMP application. And then the... That's not NDP, is it? Mm -hmm. Johanna Downing must be behind that. <laughs> NDMP. Okay. So well, it's not very often that the Alberta government writes uh, a local municipality and wants us to write them a letter of support. Uh, better put a mark on the wall. This is a red letter day. For sure. Okay, so what is this all about? 
So, um, Forest Council provide a letter of support to the Alberta Environment and Parks application under the Natural Disaster Mitigation Program to conduct a flood risk assessment, which was promised umpteen years ago. That's, uh, that's pretty succinct. And good, great summary. All in favor? In favor. In favor. Okay, uh, this is a request for decision regarding crime prevention through environment design training. So, uh, who's leading that item, Mr. Parker? We're going to do a combination with uh, Councillor uh, Ford. So, uh, Councillor Ford has uh, been uh, the backbone of uh, uh, crime prevention through environment. Uh, he's uh, gone out and he's talked to quite a few people uh, and individuals uh, in his role. Uh, but supporting uh, trying to decrease uh, uh, rural crime issues and one of the most important uh, elements is education and uh, basically he does have uh, uh, um, uh, contact of a, uh, a CTEP training I'm sorry I didn't pronounce it right but uh, and uh, a proposal to try and uh, help uh, decrease crime in the rural areas and um, so uh, if you'd like to carry on and just talk about uh, your whole experience there. Sure, with the appointment that I took with the ACCPA group, which is Alberta Community Crime Prevention Association, I did attend one of their conferences and I did take uh, some of the SEPTED training. Um, what my goal is, is to bring a, um, a specialist in from Victoria, his name is Steve Woolrich. Um, he's a specialist when it comes to SEPTED and teaching crime prevention. Um, wh what I would like to do is bring him here to Peace River to, uh, to instruct that. However, when we talk crime prevention for this program to work, it has to be done regionally, not just the town of Peace River. Um, I did, as uh, CAO Mr. Parker has, has stated, I did reach out to a number of our surrounding Reeves and a lot of our uh, surrounding council members and had conversations with them. And from my feedback from then, they're all on. They're all on board with this with this initiative. Um, so what uh, what my goal would be would be to have administration write our surrounding municipalities um, request letter of support, and uh, there will be a, a financial ask of this whether we can take the monies and divide it uh, divide it four ways or five ways or, or whoever uh, whoever participates in this in this program. The ultimate goal is to target the residents of the area, whether you live in the town of Peace River, Grimshaw, MBA Peace, wherever, and it's, it's about uh, teaching the program, teaching crime prevention, and changing residents' behaviors. Um, with doing that, uh, we should see a definite re reduction in uh, crime within our region. So what, what's your... Which specific so I'm asking. Yes. Yeah, so the under the uh, under the financial in implications, there there was a, a quote that uh, we received from Mr. Woolrich for nine thousand. I did forward another email to administration. Um, so there is a a another uh, seminar that we can put on. That's not would be not directed right at public, but be would be directed more to our staff and our first responders in the area for an additional thousand dollars. Um, and that takes that would take you into a, a different level of the program where it talks about uh, uh, land use bylaws, buildings, sight lines, and and stuff like that that deal with crime prevention at the uh, at the bylaw level. So my ask would be to uh, at this point in time, 
uh, would be to have administration uh, write our surrounding municipalities and ask them for uh, support with this program, both hosting and financially. Okay, so we will make that motion. So made. Okay. So uh, Councillor Ford, would, would the village in Napa need to be included in this as well, or is that getting too uh, microscopic? I think that would be getting too microscopic because the village of Napa does fall under uh, Northern Sunrise County. Besides, they don't have any crime in Napa. Yeah, hey, I'm just trying to split the nine grand. Give me a break. Wow. So the uh, I'm just being sarcastic. The one, the one thing that I will mention um, through the through the program or through the group that I uh, joined, the Alberta Community Crime Prevention Association, their main target, um, besides hosting Fraud Prevention Month and uh, hosting the Crime Prevention Seminar or the Crime Prevention Conference every year, is their main goal is uh, rural crime prevention. So when we talk about the definition of rural crime prevention, uh, we, as in Town of Peace River, our surrounding municipalities, as well as Grimshaw and Apple, we fall all fall under that category, uh, under that same envelope under the ACCPA group, because we're not the city of Edmonton, we're not the city of Calgary, we're rural Alberta. I don't see why, why we wouldn't send Napa a, a similar letter if they only contribute a thousand dollars is better than nothing yes so um councillor ford can you just tell me again the nine thousand dollars uh one would be directed towards residents of Tampa. so the nine the nine thousand dollars that you see in the uh, mm -hmm. in the rfd is from my original email from the original quote uh, there was a second email that I did send to uh, to administration that has an additional thousand dollars on it, and that seminar is targeted more towards towards uh, staff and first responders. But the nine thousand is directed towards residents more so. That would be correct. Thanks. So those seminars um, can be set up a couple of different ways. Um, whether we do four small seminars or two bigger seminars. It all depends on how many people or how many residents from the area that we can get interested in and commit to uh, to come to these seminars. And of course, it would be free to the public. Okay, all in favor? In favor. In favor. So the next item on the agenda is a Request for a decision regarding an invitation to the Peace River Chamber of Commerce Small Business Week. So, as Council funded the Small Business Week speaker series this year, uh, $3,000, we actually have two tickets available. So the real question is whether more than two people would like to go. Um, I think the chamber was hoping we would book a table. There's eight seats at a table. Otherwise, individual tickets are 60 bucks, or we have the two that are already uh, provided. So what day of the week is this? Anyway? It's the same day as our arena tour. Yeah. What's this week? This week? Next. 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 Seventh. Yeah. It would mean arena tour. What a busy day. 
You would need to change your shoes. Pardon me? I can't tell you another page on that also. Yeah. So, uh, do, we have, do we have, do we have two? I'm going. Okay. I'm interested in attending your worship. Oh, you are? Okay. As am I. Are you going on your on your own recognizance then? I am. Yeah. I'll be going with Colin and Elaine. <laughs> so you want to you want to take it from us, or you you're part of the Chamber of Commerce and Executive? Your Worship, I am a part of the Executive, but I would still be expected to get my own ticket. So I just we're looking for three tickets. Three tickets. Well, two two plus one. And two plus one is plus one single. So, no, well, there's five in total. But we have two tickets. We have two, so we need four, uh, three more. One more. One more. Wow. <laughs> Administration doesn't want anyone to attend. It's actually Monday today. <laughs> Thank you. I think the administration wants to save the town some money. Okay. They need a they need a way to go through the small council to attend this gig on the seventeenth. If so, yeah. I'll put one on the floor. Okay. Uh, do that. So you're enabling all of council or just three All of council. Okay. Anybody that can make it. Okay. Well, okay it sounds like we only need another ticket in addition to the two. I was going to say, we do need to confirm numbers by Friday, so I'll send out an email afterwards just to make sure that everybody's good with that, but yeah. Okay. All in favor? In favor. In favor. Mr. Skidmore probably has a basketball game that evening. No? Nope. <laughs> oh, yeah, probably playing, playing the gig. The Midnight Lights. I don't think I am. He hasn't got time for this stuff. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, one of the things that councillors asked, or I think was, at least Mr. Scanlon asked, was about the abeka. Oh, know. yeah, we there's enough time to do that at a later meeting. Okay, so okay. We'll, so we'll do it. We'll do it properly later. So don't forget that one, because uh, it sounds like he wants to go to that one. Okay, and that will take us to the highlight of the night. <laughs> Cannabis request for a cannabis consumption bylaw. Who's leading that discussion? Thank you very much. I'll start off the uh, the process here. Um, on October seventeenth, uh, twenty eighteen, cannabis will become uh, legal to purchase and use in Canada. Um, the town of Peace River has passed amendments to land use bylaw to control the zoning, and we've also done a definition bylaw earlier this year. Uh, the town has not passed a consumption bylaw, therefore, in Peace River, residents will fall under provincial reg regulations for smoking and will be allowed to consume cannabis in their homes and in some public spaces where smoking tobacco is allowed, but it will be uh, banned in cars. Um, basically, the background is Peace River residents, uh, we, um, actually, everyone has a copy of the report, I would assume, right? I don't think I have to reread it. But basically, the, the, the issue that we're looking at here is uh, um, we've had a request of, uh, of developing a uh, cannabis consumption bylaw. Uh, in order to do so, we need direction from council. If council wanted uh, us to go for it. Um, staff um, has looked at this extensively, um, but uh, I'm going to let uh, Councillor Ford actually uh, start the charge and then we can talk about some of the 
council's staff uh, concerns at this time. It just uh, thank you, Mr. Parker. Just for from myself reaching out to the community and uh, and speaking to a number of residents, um, as well as uh, information that I've heard from the from the RCMP, as well as uh, uh, other municipalities. That most municipalities are um, treating the cannabis consumption kind of the same way as ALGC treats alcohol. So that would be you, you purchase a product and you take it home. So you wouldn't be purchasing the product, going outside, making it rolling or whatever, and then walking down Main Street. Um, the, the things that we do have to consider is when it, when it comes to enforcement, um, the alcohol falls up correct me if I'm wrong, falls under provincial. Uh, the bylaw would, would fall under municipal. However, the RCMP um, would help in regards to enforcement, but at the end of the day, long term, um, that enforcement would become the town of Peace River as it would be a bylaw. Unless AU may be successful in uh, having the provincial government change the, the uh, the law right across the board and, and treating it like ALGC throughout throughout the province. Um, as far as the cost for enforcement, um, just personally speaking, I don't think there would be if we did do the ALGC way and, and do no public consumption. I do not think that would, there would be any additional cost to enforcement, uh, just simply because we have our peace officers and we have our bylaw people out there already. It's just something. Um, another uh, thing that's that's added to their plate um, to look out for and as far as uh, like I do support the the non the non -cons public consumption um, I think it's it would be just easier to uh, to tackle it this way rather than well you can smoke it walking down this sidewalk but as soon as you walk in front of the spray park you can't smoke it there so if we treat if we treat it like like alcohol, um, the same thing would come if you have a special event. If you wanted to have that at your special event, then you apply for the permit to do so, just like you do with your gardens. Okay, well, I, I have a question. So who from the RCMP were you talking to uh, that said they they would like to see a bylaw? Because I know that Mr. Parker wrote the RCMP and I don't believe you've got an answer back asking them if they will enforce local bylaws. I, I was speaking to our staff sergeant today. Um, it's not the uh, it's not the RCMP that requested the bylaw but it was a phone call with myself and uh, and our CAO Mr. Parker after the, the email came out um, last week in regards to how we are how are we going to deal with cannabis usage within the town. But you said in your preface that you had been talking to the RCMP and they would like to see see us pass a bylaw. Not pass a bylaw. I said that they would help enforce. Well, uh, Mr. Parker. I believe that's the discussion Mr. Parker had with our staff sergeant today as well. Yeah, right. We did get the answer. We did get an email. Um, it's kind of convoluted, but um, I'll just read it out and say, hi, Chris. All bylaws are primarily enforced by the town bylaw enforcement. However, in the greater interest of helping town when needed, we're always willing to assist. Uh, the normal process is to have grand rape violation, but often it's just as easy for us to do it. 
For example, we repeatedly respond to excess noise complaints. We should report it to Graham and have him issue the violation, but we just do it. Um, this is kind of news to me because uh, I know that they really, um, in past, have said they don't like enforcing and don't really have time to enforce our bylaws because we had talked about. But this is uh, this is a change of uh, guard too, though. So. Your Worship, I have some questions. Yep. Um, do you recall on our survey whether we had any consumption questions? We have one question at the end. Is the aging care or further discussion or bylaw on consumption? But that was it. It was mostly tacked on as an afterthought. But while we were asking these questions, we should ask one basic question about that. And do you recall? The responses were split, pretty much 50 50, and they were strong in their responses. People who are adamant that uh, we shouldn't impose any restrictions and we should go with the current AGLC smoking guidelines, and there were people that were adamant that we needed to legislate where people can have that smoke. Um, from a staff perspective, I've talked to the planners, I've talked to senior staff. Uh, we are concerned about a couple of things. One thing we would like to recommend is if we do go down this route, we should go down in about six months. Just see what actually is happening. See, um, because we, we believe that one, we could rush and get a bylaw. We can have one here by November 13th. Um, and we can have it all passed and ready to rock and roll. So it's only like about a month for it to go through. But what we're kind of concerned about is we're concerned of at either getting the wrong bylaw and then re rescinding one that we have, or getting into an area where we might not even see that there's an issue right at this moment. When we do do this, what we're we're also looking at is we want to make sure that we do get a lot of public input into it because as we we found from the previous survey it is um, um, it's going to be one of those touch points where you're going to get a group of people who are going to be really excited one way or the other so let's let the public have their say um, and let's do it right you know um, oh those are fun <laughs> oh yeah it's going to be but you know what if we don't do that I can see if we, we do try to rush something for the, for the 13th. I just, and I'm just speaking from a purely administrative kind of trying to keep us out of the trouble uh, situation. We should really get that to the public involved. And so did, one of the things we were looking at was, is we knew when we were handling the, the land use bylaw and the definition bylaw that this, this third component was going to have to come eventually. But we really wanted to make sure to see, because nobody knew, and we still don't know, what is going to happen and what are going to be some of the issues here. So um, that's why we were kind of like, let's just hold back a little bit. And that's sort of like the staff's perspective. And, and, um, and, and, and I know there's, you know, there are some people from that perspective that says, no, let's ban this completely, let's hide it. I don't think it's going to be as big an issue, especially we're getting ready to go into winter. Um, but then we can at least get a, a good feeling of um, you know how this is going to go. I just have one more comment. So, uh, Councillor Ford, I really do appreciate your uh, focus and intention that you've put into this upcoming <laughs> legalization of cannabis. I can't. When I read this, I was like, why did they not attach it? alcohol which they didn't do so they've attached it to the smoking 
as as it relates to AGLC. And I thought I thought that was interesting. And I'm not entirely sure why they did that. Well, because alcohol and tobacco are two different things, and likewise cannabis. So when you walk out of a liquor store, you usually have the liquor in a glass bottle. But if you open it and you drink it, where do you throw it? You throw it on the ground, and now you have broken glass all over the place. Well, at least with, uh, even with roaches, it's it's paper. It's not going to create a, a hazard out there. You so, really think that was the reason? Yeah. My my other comment, but thank you for that, Councillor Downing. My other comment is, uh, and I've used this as an example already, is we, we have tobacco. It's a drug. We have cannabis. It's also a drug. And we have alcohol. It's a drug. Um, I, I do agree. I don't know why the province has set it under under the, the, the smoking part of it. Because out of those three drugs, there's only two of them that cause impairment cannabis and alcohol. And the other word causes cancer. <laughs> <laughs> but we we can't even we can't even get our bylaw enforcement officers to properly enforce snow removal. And now you're asking them to enforce enforce cannabis uh, a cannabis consumption bylaw that we would put together. Um, we don't have the resources to do this. And uh, certainly, I, I would be more inclined to go with six months, see what it happens, and let's let it evolve. And um, go from there. But maybe, Mr. Good, you want to talk about what happened when the town tried to get a, ahead of the anti, uh, get ahead of the smoking, smoking bylaw by and what a schmozzle that was and how divisive that was in this community it was a divisive issue i mean i'll be very straight um well, my, one of my best friends here Johanna and I had, no, seriously, we talked about it. We, Johanna and I had, had different viewpoints from different perspectives. And if I, I sort of agree with Chris Parker that uh, that if we're going to do this, let's get some public input in it so we can get a real feeling of where people are. Um, people have philosophical issues on both sides, but so right now, my tendency would be to say, let's leave it as it is. The province has legislation place we can come in later at that point and deal with whatever comes up or whatever shows his face but to sit there and make preemptive legislation on something that may or may not happen I'm not sure is necessary in this country. And getting in front of the province is, is always a, it's a problem. That is, absolutely. You have to de deal with the community that's divided about how to enforce it and, uh, and, and your you're trying to do something that the province isn't doing. Exactly. And like I say, we're supposed to make sure people don't fall through our cracks, not necessarily this. I would, uh, I would, I would agree with that uh, approach myself. But uh, if we're gonna, if we are gonna get this right, the other thing that I would like to ask administration to do is to check with uh, a bunch of other surrounding municipalities because there is a number of them that are stepping ahead. Of uh, of the uh, ALGC and, and making it non non public consumption. 
So I'd like to see where, what everybody else is doing as well. Yeah. See, and the other, the other thing about it too is even whether, whether it is public consumption or non-public consumption, um, I think the community will end up, at the end of the day, a lot of it will, they'll be policing themselves. Because you look at the industry that we're in today, whether it's oil field, or whether you're working here, or you're working in this career, um, I think people, well besides the teenager, but I think the, the, the younger adults and the older adults are going to be very, very cautious um, as far as the public consumption goes, just because if, if their name is attached to doing that, could affect their employment because there's a, a lot of the employers in this area do have a zero tolerance rule. So, so you're saying that people are going to police themselves and there's no need Some of it. There's no need for a cannabis <laughs> I, I still think so, there would be, but. Mr. Mayor, I have a couple of questions. Okay, fire away. Um, okay, so what is the present rule with respect to smoking on um, the sidewalks or near doorways? So I got the provincial legislation. It talks about hospitals and so on and so on. Yeah, it should say smoking prohibited. And I'll just see how many exact feet. Yeah, weren't we getting in trouble because people were, weren't even uh, adhering to the smoking bylaw around hospital uh, doors? That was a big Facebook post for. Uh, for a while, right? yeah. Look, I, went, I went to AUMA and leaning outside the hotel, basically leaning against the sign that says be 15 meters from this point to smoke, we're a bunch of municipal politicians. Yeah. So, you know, we we all recommend this or that, and in the end, we do what's right in our own eyes. Um, I would probably say six months is a good period of time to wait to see. Uh, let, let's let some other... Uh, um, Aggressive municipalities charge their way into the problem, and we'll just we'll just watch them make their mistakes and do uh, do what we think is probably actually no. most effective to the problems that, uh, if any, arise, and and we can react in that amount of time. And I was speaking with a wise person today earlier. Thank you, but I'm not quite done yet. I appreciate your input, Mr. Needham. But uh, it's my turn. Anyways, um, they were saying that it's it's winter. And uh, people are going to go indoors, and they'll probably get habituated to using it indoors. And uh, they might just be, you know, dealing with it that way. And we don't need to try to fix a problem that isn't a problem yet. Chris, Mr. So, uh, for administration, then um, the question is: If I uh, think that somebody is smoking um, marijuana cannabis uh, in my presence, and I really don't like it. Um, I would go to the bylaw officer. That would be the procedure at this point in time. No, and RC. say Kenny or County. No, it's actually an RCMP event. So. So I would go to the RCMP yeah. after uh, October, whatever. October twelfth. That's correct. So yes. I'm to take my complaint to the RCMP. That's correct. So provincial law. It's provincial law. Okay. So. I guess uh, I would like clarity on um, 
where supposedly people can smoke um, tobacco and from what I'm getting from this conversation uh, they could walk anywhere down Main Street smoking tobacco so they could do the same thing with marijuana at October um, and I guess the other thing I'll throw in there is High Prairie is a municipality around us and I think they were passing a law that went the A the, the liquor way so anyways uh, I'm getting the idea that we're going to wait for six months and then uh, try and come up with something. I would say we should have some warm periods as well as some cold periods because if it's different in winter than it is in summer, our bylaw, if we have one, should be the same for all year. Well, the rest of October is supposed to be pretty warm. So. <laughs> Just to add to that, uh, Deputy Mayor, I do believe the uh, City of St. Albert has also passed <coughs> yeah. a, uh, a non-public consumption, but uh, also just for administration, um, the town of Slave Lake is currently in public hearing about this today, so or tonight. So that might be some good information coming out of that council meeting. So, so um, Alicia Moody will be also aware of quite a, a few of the municipalities that are past this because they're on their own little uh, continuity group that they're talking about uh, uh, about this legislation. So sh she'll definitely be able to pull up right across the province and if not, part, different parts of Canada too. And so the intent would be that we have some public engagement uh, exercises on this topic? Oh, I think we should before we implement anything, definitely. Yeah. Or your bylaw might go up in smoke. Motion to accept for information. So moved. Okay, great. Now we can move on. All in favor? And so we've got, uh, so uh, administration has submitted their reports. Uh, Mr. McQuaid isn't here to defend his, which is unfortunate. I've got lots of questions for him. Ms. Bell said she'd answer. Okay. Yes, yes, I will. Okay. So my number one question is, how is the neighborhood renewal on 103rd Street going? Speaker, speak up. I didn't quite get the response to the neighborhood renewal question. I, well, I, I, she said it was on time on budget. I know that it's definitely not on time. Otherwise, it would be finished four weeks ago. Um, so have we laid down any asphalt there? I, I believe CAO Parker led council astray slightly that I'd be able to answer. Okay, yeah, so <laughs> and, and honestly, uh, what I can do is I can I can get uh, Mr. McQuaid to actually send out. I'll take all these questions down and then get him to answer. Okay. Well, that was the number one question. <coughs> Your Worship, I, I would like to take a moment to add a little something in about the neighborhood renewal. I 
think we need to remember that anytime you lift up a little piece of asphalt or take a wall down in your house you're always surprised at what's behind there and that i think that the project is probably on as on time as it possibly could be you know fighting against unknowns and weather and all those other additions and i think we should be you know pleased that according to the last conversation that i had with director mcquay is that we're looking still to have that asphalt down mid October mid to about the 20th of October. So I think we're probably going to nail it. It's going to be great. That's good. But, uh, I've got a couple of questions. Okay, fire away. Um, talking of asphalt, so the asphalt um, uh, divot in front of town office, uh, is that on schedule? Because I'm kind of wondering why it wasn't fixed when the one further up the main street was. There was another so issue with it. It's, uh, it's been done today. Lovely. Okay. And my other question, it, I don't know if it applies to the reports or whatever, but it has to do with walkways, and in particular, uh, walkways through neighborhoods when the ends of the walkways onto the main street sometimes seem to have had in the past some sort of uh, two or three boards in kind of a railing thing that uh, I guess would have stopped, uh, I don't know, a motorbike going through or something. So my question is, um, does the town maintenance department or public works look at those um, walkways and do they fix those boards? In particular, the one that's opposite the Capture Mount School that leads into Baldwin Court. It kind of looks uh, dilapidated, disgusting, and I'm not sure why it's really there anymore. So that's just a question. I'll have an answer for you, my friend. Thank you. Um, any other questions, Ms. Manzer? No. Um, are, you, are you just keeping notes of the questions, uh, CAO Chris? I am actually doing it's this. It's a question a, on uh, the ski hill pump, and it's just the ski hill pump is going to be here before the snow flies, and that's a rhetorical question. So, if you could add that to your list. Oh yes. Yeah. So I can I can give you a little update on the ski hill pump. We are we're bringing in a temporary one right now. Uh, I yes. believe it's uh, and it will be here for the snow season operation. <coughs> and uh, it will be repurposed uh, next year when we bring in the, the, the two other ones that we're going to be using for the uh, Skeetle, I believe. Yeah, we Those. have an RFP out yeah. currently. It closes on Friday for the permanent um, solution, but unfortunately it won't be here in time for snow season, so we're, we've secured a temporary pump that will be here in the next couple of weeks. So the answer to your rhetorical question was no. Uh, we won't have the ski hill pump ready before nope, the snow yes. flies. Well, the snow started flying last week. I know <laughs> that Mr. I think it flew uh, I know that Mr. Newman is in, in, in <laughs> Vegas, but oh, the snow is flowing already. There's snow globes there. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, there's a, uh, a plan B in place. Correct. Yep. That's all. I just uh, I over the weekend a number of uh, uh, 
a number of questions were directed in the, at, at Councillor Needham, so that answers the question. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, I see there's um, a picture included in here which shows what looks like a, a newly poured sidewalk in the cemetery. Is that correct? It's a, a new, a new. It's a great looking yeah. uh, project. It's a great picture. Yeah, it's the additional sidewalk that was publicly requested for access points. Right. Okay. And so that's uh, that's being included. Uh, are there any other questions? Oh yeah. I, well, I have one more. Um, Facilities maintenance are working on the following activities. A, airport sewer backup. So when our maintenance crew goes out to the airport, are they back charging the airport for the services rendered? Uh, just like our fire department should be back charging the <coughs> airport for their, uh, their call-ups there. So are we doing that? That is my understanding we do do that. Uh, Director, um, Talon is on top of that right there. And, and we, uh, we authorized the hiring of a, another water wastewater technician. And part of the rationale was that we need certified operators uh, to run the water and wastewater treatment facilities at the airport, which was uh, fell through the cracks before. So are we back charging those services to the airport that also is correct sir well we should be because it's a 60 percent savings if we do and well plus water town residents uh shouldn't be uh, subsidizing that in a separate aspect water it covers it and when you do these services they were asked to take on that services because airport staff were not trained in that area and water is a very significant issue. So uh, that was going through that whole, we increased our services, therefore we have to charge back. Right, and so do, uh, well, I, I, whether it be the <coughs> or the other hangers, do, how did they get their water? Do they have their own wells associated? No, no, uh, so what it is is uh, uh, there's a holding, uh, I believe there's a reservoir out there. Um, Matter of fact, I'm pretty positive there's a reservoir, reservoir and then there's there's actually some lines that are run out to some of the hangers, and, and then there is one location where they can actually get water directly from. Uh, it, it's uh, just like a way pump where they can get uh, a tap where they get the lumps of water to. Are they charged for keeping that? I'm not sure. Better make sure that they're yep. paying their fair share. Yep. And, and probably should be charged the, uh, the, the same rate as when an industrial operator takes water off the uh, off the taps, whether it be beside the old fountain tire storms or some other locations. Uh, I think we charge five dollars a cube for that or something like that. We should be posing that charge because we obviously have to haul the water out there. I don't think we get it through. I'll get that answer. Okay. Uh, any other questions on engineering? No. So the next one was was the corporate services CAO monthly report 
To the uh, to the website statistics, highlight how great a job she's doing managing social media, keeping them lassoed. Sorry, uh, Your Worship, I do have an answer for uh, the 103rd Street. Um, Jim says they said they'll have it done. Throughout this date, but I can I, I think it might not make it. But just put it two dates after whatever it says there. Just drop two dates. Okay. Just uh, say the that. The thirty-first of October. Okay. That's, that's what they're suggesting. Yeah. Um, so, Mr. Mayor, under communications, are the uh, recreation donor sponsorship pages now up for individuals? Uh, yes, they Last are. Last time they're I looked, I couldn't find it, but oh, they're online now. If you go to the rec center page, and I've changed the slider on the website's main page, it now links there. So if you okay, thank you. And remind me, remind us again, how much you get for what kind of donation? Well, if you're over two hundred dollars, depending on your tax bracket, you can get the fifty percent credit. But what? Do I get my name emblazoned on the arena wall or what? So we put five grand a year for the next five years minimum, we could put it on the end ring. We wrote we wrote the mayor down for five K. Per year for the first five years. That's a lot. How about for the duration of his term? Can we find some contract standard? So, Mr. Mayor, one more question when you get time. Okay. Um, it says September 7th met with Norm Blanding regarding a change in hours and expansion to operations. How are they expanding? This is the airport cafe, I think. How is it expanding? I'm not sure. Uh, sorry, that one. And Will's not here to. Um, during your directors or your, your staff meetings, uh, um, Tim, did they mention anything like that at Norms? No. Sorry. So just going back to these outdoor rinks, so are we are we uh, are we having industries, i.e. like some of these construction companies that are housed here in Peace River? sponsoring these outdoor rinks and putting up advertising on these outdoor rinks in, trying to cover the cost of those rinks in the multiplex we've specifically have a naming rights option for the outdoor rink related to that site um we could easily extend that to a naming option for other locations i it over the years though it's sort of hit and miss of whether or not we're able to always open them, especially the ones that are asphalt-based. Uh, Mother Nature is not kind to us when she gets plus weather and we have an asphalt base. So and we have some specific ones that are usually geared around operations because they're grass-based, but some of the asphalt ones are hidden. So we have some asphalt where we don't want it? Because we usually have the other problem. Correct, yeah. It's not ideal for outdoor ranks. 
really baffling. Well, you, you, what I, I guess what I'm saying, Ms. Bell, is you need to generate some revenue. So let's yeah, something we can look at. Yeah. get those, let's get uh, some of the people that uh, make money <coughs> by living here in town or work doing the neighborhood renewal program. Perhaps they could put some of that money towards uh, community uh, structures like they outdoor have, rinks. They've sponsored part of the DMX truck in fact. Yeah. Hockey is a religion, don't forget that. <laughs> okay, um, anything else on the CAO's report? Just one comment that I did receive a uh, phone call from a resident uh, in regards to the job our peace officer is doing and was very pleased to see that they actually pulled a uh, taxi cab over in town and kind of took them off to the side. Um, in the parking lot and get a full inspection on them and uh, uh, it was good to see you. Okay, uh, that takes us to community services monthly report. Ms. Bell, do you want to underscore anything there? Um, I'm not sure there was anything specific. Um, just quick note, the NAR uh, Visitor Information Center is closed as of I believe we were closed open over the um, Thanksgiving weekend and we're closed now. Um, numbers are comparable to previous last two years, about 560. Um, they're steady but definitely not increasing in terms of foot traffic. Um, the pool was shut down for the month of September. Everything went well and we reopened on time for October 1st. Uh, we didn't have a lot of major hiccups, which was a pleasant surprise because <laughs> we prepared for the worst for that shutdown. Um, and then probably just uh, something else to highlight um, in terms of the number of trees trimmed, removed. We had 11 trees trimmed as of September 11th, but I can add four more that we just did last week. So we're up to 14 and that budget is expended. Uh, we removed six, but these, uh, not including the boulevard trees that were impacted by any of the South End Renewal projects. So these are six separate trees that were removed. Um, 24 new trees were planted and 20 shrubs were planted. So we're ahead of the removals by double. So that's always a good, a good thing. Um, our facility usage statistics are fairly similar to previous years. Um, we've had approximately, and though it doesn't show up on the report, it was there at one time, it might be covered up by my chart. We've had approximately 25 hours of ice time returned at the arena for the month of September. Um, Otherwise, the Saddleback Park is moving ahead and we'll start um, playground installation in the next week or two with full completion early November. The time for when the snow floods? It'll be ready for children for spring. <laughs> and no cannabis users? Correct, because it is illegal in parks, playgrounds, outdoor rinks, outdoor water parks, skate parks. So, Can we get Bud Runners to sponsor one of the order rings just for fun, just to confuse no, people? That is also still illegal. Yeah. <laughs>
Good answer. Any anybody have questions for Ms. Bell? I'm taking that as a no. no. So uh, motion to accept the reports uh, 9.1 through 9.3 inclusive for information. Sure. Okay. Support or <coughs> in favor? In favor. Uh, that takes us to information. Uh, there are there are five items. Uh, 10.1 uh, uh, is letters from municipal affairs in respect of petition application. Do you want to, is there anything you want to underscore there, um, Mr. Parker? Well, uh, as everyone knows that uh, this past year there was a, a petition from a group of citizens and uh, they uh, submitted uh, this petition to Municipal Affairs asking for an inspection and an audit. Uh, we received a letter at the end of August saying that uh, they will not be doing the uh, municipal inspection. They didn't have enough uh, uh, members sign up for that but they did have enough for the audit however they asked uh, if we have any information uh, on our municipal uh, audit from this past year and uh, because they, they hadn't received it they, they every year you do your financial statements and you do an audit from a reputable company MMP. and uh, so we were kind of surprised when we heard that because we had the actual financial statements on our website and so we contacted uh, MNP and they realized they forgot to send it in to Municipal Affairs, so they uh, we responded immediately. And uh, so the second letter in uh, September 25th from Municipal Affairs says, "Okay, we're fine. Uh, even though there was enough uh, numbers for the uh, audit, uh, you guys are doing what you're supposed to be doing, and we're fine with it." So the issue of uh, Municipal Inspection and the uh, um, audit. My province it is um, basically dead. Uh, the second one was a meeting with Honorable Kathleen Ganley, Minister of Justice and the Community Crime Prevention Association. Is that yours, Mr. Ford? Do you want to deal with that? Yep, that is correct. You want the long version or the short version? Well, it is actually only <laughs> 20 through 7, so you can... I guess you can use the long version. <laughs> so as everybody's aware, I did uh, take a director's position with the Alberta Community Crime Prevention Association a few weeks ago. Um, and little did I know, they already had a meeting set up with uh, the minister, or the justice minister, uh, which I was invited to attend. I did provide everybody uh, an agenda that the, uh, that the group um took forward to to the minister and one of the minister's comments um at AUMA that i did here uh whether it's the opioid crisis or or the uh, rural crime is we're not going to police ourselves through this um, it's going to be an educational and communications piece um to get us through this uh little bit of ordeal that we're having that we're having so I did provide the agenda of some of the stuff that uh, ACCPA um, did talk to her about. And uh, I spoke to her about the crime prevention piece as far as the SEPTED program goes. Um, I did have about seven to 10 minutes of the, minis uh, the minister's time myself. So the one thing I did provide, um, 
I did get one of our corporals to uh, put together a data sheet on some some crimes that have been happening in the in Peace River. I did provide you a copy of that. Um, just so that everybody is aware, this is not an official RCMP document. Um, this is some stats that one of our corporals put together. So there's um, just on some specifics um, in regards to what's happening in the region. So 2016, 2017, uh, there's 2018 to date, and then uh, April 1st to September 18th, 2018. So that uh, trend will become complete uh, once we hit uh, April 1st of, of 2019. Um, so this this document was uh, provided to the minister as well, and I did have the opportunity to speak with her about about the concerns that was happening in Peace River and and the region. Questions, Minister Thor? Next one is uh, Peace River District Health Foundation uh, speaking about the 2018 food tour comedy tour. Um, anybody want to highlight anything there? When is that happening? October 27th at the Carmen Valley Hall. Of NSC's entertainment district. <laughs> That's why it's a silent no. auction. <laughs> <laughs> so the Health Foundation uh, supports our Peace River Hospital, and this is one of the ways we raise money for uh, different pieces of equipment at that hospital. So I'm just throwing that out there, too. Good. Uh, invitation to Fire Hall Open House. And we have Mr. Harris in the audience. Perhaps he wants to <coughs> promote the, uh, the open house. Yes, Your Worship. Uh, I think you have the information there. This uh, is Fire Prevention Week, running all week from uh, yes, Sunday to next Saturday. Uh, we'll be out into, in the schools doing presentations during the week. And then on Saturday, we'll have an open house at the Fire Hall. Uh, with all the packet breakfast. You didn't ask me to proclaim this week as fire prevention week. If I don't proclaim it, it doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> it's been happening for 200 years. So. Um, Up until then, everything is burned. Yeah. Um, yeah, pancake breakfast, vehicle electrification demonstrations, um, the big family event leads our chance to show the community what we're about as a community. Funds us and supports us. So, uh, everybody's welcome to attend. It's really just an informal invitation to bring their families down. So, free food and have your fire safety questions asked. I assume the ex ex extraction uh, exercise will won't be a live live exercise. The extrication? Yeah, the extrication. No, we have uh, we have got cameras for. Vehicles. So this is in conjunction with the county and all the lights for our services as well. Okay. 
Your Worship, just uh, for your information, I did attend this event last year and the job that the uh, our fire department does and the work that they put into this open house is absolutely phenomenal. Um, as I was talking to Councillor Scamahorn earlier, like the, uh, the vehicle extraction demonstration, perfect opportunity for uh, for kids to see what, what our, our department does with take your kids when you go. Um, the other question I have, the, the burn house demonstration, I haven't seen that one before. If you can explain that a bit. And the other question I have, the you had a an app or a, a tool at last year's um, event where the kids could actually put out a fire. Are you doing that again this year as well? Yeah. So we have a fire extinguisher trainer, um, which is that's the one we use to put that uh, propane prop with the real fire. Um, the burn house is actually it's like. Um, it's a small house made model, a house made out of uh, OSB, and then it's divided up inside like a house, and then we start a small fire in one of the rooms, and it can show how fire can spread through a house. If you have doors and windows open, that shows. We use it in training as to how to control a fire. We can, by opening and by using ventilation, we can control how that fire develops. It also shows the public how a fire can quickly spread through a home if you leave all the doors open. So that burn house is new this year? Yeah. It's, it's about a you know, three foot by four foot house. And also we've been quite a lot of work lately. Last year we painted the exterior of the fire hall. So this year we've been painting the interior. And so our bays, our main truck bays, had a coat of paint and a new look after um, top of it probably since the original Firehawks in '67, I think. So, so there's a lot brighter now, and some a lot more color. Um, so we want to show that off as well. Thanks for having job, Mr. Harris. So the fifth item was a thank you letter from the Peace River Pride Society. Uh, and uh, and uh, that's awfully nice of them. We did donate. Uh, we did, did. We did donate some money through the group, grants to groups fund, right? Uh, Fifteen hundred dollars. Fifteen hundred dollars. And they actually, uh, unlike some of the groups that we donate money to, they actually thank us. So that's uh, that's a nice touch. Uh, and provided a picture. Yeah, provided a picture. Some guy with a big belly. Um, I was only here for a short period of time. <laughs> <laughs> Dear Christopher Barker, they, they never mentioned Dear Mayor. We would like to say thank you to the Town of Future for helping us to officially declare Pride Week, raising of the rainbow flag, providing the manpower for road closures during the parade, and for use of Riverfront Park. With your support, we were able to have a very successful 2018 Peace Pride Weekend event. Once again, thank you so much for supporting us year after year. Sincerely, the Peace Pride Committee and Peace River Pride Society. So ho hopefully next year they'll get that rainbow, rainbow uh, crosswalk going. Add a little more color during the 100th anniversary. Great. Uh, motion to accept uh, for information items 10.1 through 10.5. Thanks. All in favor? In favor. 
In favor. Any notices of motion, Mr. Parker? Fair enough, Your Worship. We will now turn to the esteemed media and ask them if there were any highlights. Thanks for that confidence. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd like to get a official word about all the new business from somebody. Uh, sure. Yeah. Sure. Okay. I can probably do that. You? Okay. And then, of course, about the letter from municipal affairs about the conditions. Yes, there you go, Tom. Yes. Yeah, I'll, he, he just pointed at you. I'll do it. Okay, that's good. Are you available tomorrow? Uh, you could phone me. Okay. Six. I realize this is on the recording. Maybe we should hide my phone number, but it's 624 Yeah, it's public knowledge. Yeah, that ship's still. Sorry, I yeah, okay, thanks. I'll, I'll give you a show about that. And also then, of course, I was given official word on Thursday about the office closing as of October 31. And the word is that I will continue to do exactly what I have been doing. So there's still a Peace River Record Gazette. What you're saying is the front, yes. uh, the storefront yeah. will be uh, closing as of October 31st. Exactly. Or sooner, maybe. Yes, I was. Uh, I was just. I wasn't going to say too much because I wanted to write an article, but apparently, as is the case with most things, stuff gets gets annual. As you said, probably probably no time. Yeah. What's happening to your archives? They, I was told, will be preserved in uh, uh, a different way at, at a location. Oh, that's okay. all I know. At this time, that, that's the primary question that I had. Yeah. The papers very old. So again, I'll be, I will be continuing to do what I do anyways. I was told during that time. When I got official word that a lot of storefronts in newspapers, tons of happen, are being closed, and people are are asking me to go to public homes and say, that's what's happening. That sort of sounds like the Alberta Energy Regulator. <laughs> Who were asked to work from home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I guess the benefit of that is you can do some of your work in pajamas. I do all of it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. no, actually, uh, what I'll do is continue to do production in Fairview. That's what I'll be doing. Because they, of course, will be in Fairview. So they're not going to be stuck there. So business as usual from an editorial standpoint. And uh, Shelly Shannon was also asked to do work from her house. So whether that happens, I'm not aware of it. That's the Yeah, I'll feel that question. Okay. 
Is there anything you missed this 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 year? Tim's here. Fire for engine week this week. We've got some stuff online. There's the open house, so we're gonna pop the open house. Yeah, if you guys want to get a quote from Tim on Fire Prevention Week, open house. Sounds like they've got lots of exciting stuff for kids to do there. It's like our own Disneyland. That might be. <laughs> Didn't you just come back from there? Trying to, trying to stoke the next generation to become firefighters. Okay. Given how many fires we've had in, in the last 12 months, I guess it's probably worth going on a recruiting drive. Um, so, uh, that's, and I don't see any members from the public here, so I won't ask them for any comments. Uh, any camera items? I understand there's none, Mr. Parker. There are none, Your Worship. Very good. Uh, a motion to approve the meeting, please. So moved. All in favor? In favor. In favor. Okay. I have a one-armed oh. bandit uh, at the 